Welcome back, everyone, to the Xamarin Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest and greatest in Xamarin development. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Pierce Bogan. <laughs> I love the I love the 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 Pierce delay and I'm Pierce Bogan. How's it going, Pierce? I've missed you so much. I haven't been in Boston recently. Um, things are crazy. I've been all over the place. I miss you, buddy. I, I just I feel like we haven't podcasted enough. I, I know our Xamarin developers are missing us. It, it's it's so nice to finally catch up with you. I know it makes me sad, Panda, because we used to see each other. I mean, you were traveling like crazy about a year ago, but we did used to see each other basically like once a month. And now it feels like besides like build, connect, all the major things, I don't really see you that much. But I know you've been out of the country, right? You've been traveling a lot as of late going to conferences and stuff. Yeah, it's been a busy time and and we do apologize for not getting we 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 said that we were going to do every other week and we were so close and then all of a sudden Google IO happened, WWDC happened and Build was happening and and all these conferences happened and we're back on a right regular schedule so we're super excited. And I was just over in one of my favorite countries and favorite cities. I was over in in Oslo in Norway drinking all sorts of delicious coffee at all sorts of delicious coffee places but attending NDC, which is one of my favorite conferences. Uh, to go to there's so many great tracks and it's not just .NET. they have i think they even have a c track they have like you know web tracks they have all sorts of like machine learning tracks and even just kind of life tracks which is really cool and what was nice about this is that channel nine was there doing um, not only recordings and live stream of ndc which may be a different time zone for people that are in the u.s but what was cool about it is that they did interviews seth did some interviews and i got to do some interviews too so i got to interview um, john galloway um, philip eckberg one of our mvps uh, which was really cool and kind of talk about what they were talking about there at ndc but also just kind of what's up in life so it was a really fun conference i think it's i've almost been home for four or five days now so i think i've almost readjusted to the time change i, I swear like uh NDC and Oslo just destroyed me. I was, when I got there, I was just time shifted, just destroyed. And then when I got back, I was destroyed. But I, I think finally with enough coffee, um, I have, uh, I've, I've broken over that, that time barrier, but, uh, I don't know. Do, do you ever get that time, like time shift jet lag when you travel? Well, I'm terrible at traveling as we've talked about before. Um, so at least you're used to the travel a little bit. I mean, that's a rapid change going from West Coast US all the way to Oslo. But I mean, even if I fly, like if I take the train down to New York City for like an event, I'm exhausted after a three hour train ride. And that like knocks me off my schedule just for that. So if I even go like, you know, an, a time zone or two away, I'm already jacked up. So I can't even imagine how bad it'd be if you went over to Oslo. Jeez. Yeah, I don't know how you do all that travel. Speaking of travel, though, I just got back from St. Lucia. Amazing. How was that? Big fan of the Caribbean. Um, it was amazing. It was my one-year anniversary. Congratulations. So had to, had to take the one-year anniversary trip. And if you listened to the last podcast, you knew that I was, like, fighting off a deadly, like, the plague yeah. after Build. Because Build, like, like you said, these conferences, they just take so much out of you. They wear uh, you down. They wear you down. They do. They wear you down, and you're, like, so stressed, and you're, like... Then finally it's over and your body doesn't know what to do and it just like collapses on itself. So I was really sick for like a week. So I went I went down to the Caribbean. I actually when I was talking to the customs officer had no voice. So that oh, was no. good. 
That was good. Good for answering the customs questions. Um, but yeah, that was that was an awesome time. Good to get refreshed. Like you said, coming out of all these conferences and stuff and heading straight into summer, ready to get back to the groove of things. Very nice. That's good. I'm glad that you got some little time away and it was a nice relaxing. I think I saw some snaps oh, yeah. um, from the trip. So I, I was pretty jelly. I mean, we did go on some holidays. We were down in Cuba uh, for a bit. That was kind of more of a working holiday. I wasn't working on holiday, but it was more of like, you know, kind of out exploring, not sitting on the beach. We did sit on a beach one day, though, and that was quite lovely. So I think next time Heather and I go out, we're going to do a beach beach holiday and maybe go to the, I've never been to the Caribbean ever. So, yeah. And I'm not a big like just sit on the beach, you know, have people bring me drinks like I'm not that type of person I've, I know a lot of friends who just love to sit on the beach and that's all they do when they go on vacation we like to do all the activities and stuff I don't know how you and Heather are but yeah we like to do like all the you know the deep sea fishing you know all the cool like hiking tours and stuff like that mm-hmm. we'll do all that when we get all these places and all the Caribbean islands are so different so you have like St. Lucia which is like super mountainous and then you have like the Cayman Islands which are like basically completely flat and the highest hill on the entire island is like 30 feet high so <laughs> Um, there's just so much difference between all the different islands. And I mean, not just from the geographical sense, but also the cultural sense you mentioned Cuba. So if you're interested in a vacation and you've never been to the Caribbean, it's definitely a cool place to go. Shout yeah. out to this podcast sponsor, uh, the Caribbean Tourism Bureau, uh, for <laughs> all of the positive feedback that we just said. That's awesome. Yeah, we're going to have to do that because I, I, I do like the the idea of going, but doing more because Heather and I, we we do crazy amount of, of hiking and kayaking and all that stuff. And like when we like to do some, even like snorkeling and stuff like that. So I think what we try, I tried to snorkel. I'm terrible at it. I basically drown, but you know, I like the idea of doing that stuff and we're always out. I think we walked like, you know, eight hours every day in Cuba, which was fantastic exploring, you know, the, the country, which was awesome. So that's good to know that there's a lot more, you know, out there than that. But Pierce, let's get into it. We've missed a lot. There's a lot yeah. that has happened, not only in the world of Xamarin, but in the world of iOS and Android and Microsoft as a whole. And one of the largest, if not the largest, let's just say the largest iOS uh, and Apple developer conference, WWDC, um, just wrapped a few weeks ago. I know that you wrote this amazing blog post on it, uh, which it really uh, highlights a lot of things that were happening. It was a big day. iOS, uh, not only just new hardware, some new Mac hardware stuff, which is really exciting for our developers and for me, but um, new iOS 11 stuff. Have you installed this yet? Have you checked out the features? So I've installed it. Um, I think they've made it even easier. I think if they did this in iOS 10, they have OTA updates for the previews. So no more like hooking up your uh, hooking up your iPhone into iTunes and using iTunes for one time per year. Um, you can just download it. You download the cert. You get the install for iOS 11 right away. You get the automatic update. So I installed it the day after it ca- the drop came out. So the day after WWDC. And I've been having, I mean, regular beta issues that you expect. I've had some mixed experiences. So some of the UI changes are, have been taking some time to get used to. So they like the biggest one for me, which like is a weird thing that's bothering me is the whole navigation bar thing. So you know mm-hmm. how they like normally have in a navigation bar, you have, you, you know, your back buttons usually on the left hand side if you have a button up there in the middle, you have like a title or some sort of content or icon on the right hand side, you usually mm-hmm. have like some sort of detail page that maybe pops up a modal. Um, But what they did in iOS 11 is they took that content and they kind of shifted that content that was normally in the middle. So like for the messages app, for example, and they just like enlarged the text, moved it down and left justified it and like blew it up. So Mm. it takes up like even more, uh, even more real estate on on the phone. Uh, Whereas before, I think it was like 44, 49 pixels. I think it's 
it's well over 60 pixels now, so there's less room to work with. So I'm a little, I have mixed feelings about that. So that's for we for one weird thing. Like I think every OS release, I was talking with Mike James, we have that one thing that is like a super weird thing to be bothered by, but somehow I find a way to be bothered by it. And for <laughs> iOS 11, that's it. But overall, like you said, like there's so much cool stuff in iOS 11, like ARKit, CoreML, um, and then in addition, they've like continued to unlock some of this stuff that you as like a pro Android developer have had for forever. So they're unlocking chat and music and files. All of this to me as a developer even more, which is exciting. But like like you said, and like Microsoft developers do sometimes when they see the iOS or the uh, when they see WWDC or they see Google EO, they see one of these conferences, they're like, we've had that for forever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's what I imagine sometimes with iOS, with the WWDC conference that Android developers do. But it was good. I'm excited about the APIs that were introduced. And uh, what any APIs in particular that, that you find exciting? Yeah, so I think that there was quite a bit. There's a new iPad and there's obviously iOS 11. They're doing a lot around drag and drop, which I think it kind of aligns the iPad a little bit more with the kind of replaces your laptop motto that they've tried to go for for a long time. And the nice thing is a lot of these features are coming for free. So if you have certain text fields or images and things like that, they all kind of just come for free functionality and you can always spice them up. So I think drag and drop is cool. I'm kind of excited that iOS developers are finally getting NFC support. I know that this seems like a, uh, like a whatever feature, but I think a lot of people have come to me and said, well, you know, can I write a, you know, do I do this plugin or how do I, you know, disable, let's say if NFC isn't on, you know, iOS. And I'm like, well, you got to disable in the UI and do this stuff. But I kind of am at least seeing some of these things align with Android and Windows, which I think from a developer's point of view makes one making plugins a lot easier to write because they exist in all platforms, all three platforms. But also at the same time, it makes it feel like I can start to write new types of applications or integrate new features without having to leave off a platform. So that's really nice. I think at WWDC, what was interesting is oh, Frank and I, um, Frank Kruger and, and I, we do a podcast merge conflict, which we've talked about a bit. Amazing. And we went into it from a different perspective where he is an iOS developer. That's you know how he makes his living writing Xamarin iOS applications and, and Android and, and Windows to an extent, but mostly iOS. And what he was interested in, in the hardware and the Xcode changes and, and you know, storyboard changes and kind of all this stuff that is culminating up. So we'll put that in the show notes for sure to kind of listen through because um, it's definitely a different perspective. And we 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 spent like an hour and 20 minutes like, you know, dissecting. It was a special edition of the episode. But I think I'm really excited about, yeah, I mean, mostly ARKit. I mean, I think that's the best one. I mean, ARKit is glorious. I mean. It, the demos were amazing. The the functionality they took Pokemon Go and what it what, what, side by side of what it was, and then what it could be with AR Kit, augmented reality kit, and I was I was blown away. And I think I even tweeted I was like AR Kit Core ML they crushed it. So crushed it. Yeah, there's some yeah. really cool demos up on Twitter and stuff that people have built even within a few days. Like someone had taken the Strava APIs and had mapped out their uh, had mapped out their bike trip that was like 50 miles and was up through mountains and all kind of stuff and had visualized it with like map kit ar kit it was absolutely amazing and glorious so pretty excited about ar i'm kind of an ar vr skeptic but usually when apple jumps on the bandwagon it's about time to jump on the bandwagon for yourself so i might have to actually start taking (laughs) ar and vr a little bit seriously yeah, I feel like once Apple gives it that stamp of approval, it's like it's 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 good that they and you know their APIs are going to be beautiful too. So we'll see how they they all turn out. Um, For 
But I'm excited for some of the stuff that we're doing, um, making lives better for iOS and Android developers using Xamarin. And I got to demo this feature. I got to work with um, Oleg, who was working on this feature around the build time. And I got to demo it on stage with uh, Miguel, which was awesome. But you wrote a whole blog post on the brand new iOS app provisioning with Fastlane, which is mind boggling. And so to break down the context here, in previous paths of being able to set up your iOS physical device or even an app, you'd have to get a, a certification, you'd have to register your machine, you'd have to go create like an app ID, you'd then have to create a, a developer cert, a production cert to get it and like register your device with Apple, which you need the UUID. And like, it was this rigmarole of like to the IDE, from the IDE, to the website, to the IDE, to the keychain, back and forth, back and forth. And there's this tool called Fastlane, which is this whole tool chain that's been around tried and true for a long time that helps automate this process. And we've integrated that into Visual Studio for Mac. So you plug in a phone, you log into your Apple ID account, and just you can get it on your phone in like a minute. And it does everything. You never have to go to the website. It just does it automatically. Yeah. So like literally from file new, imagine I've never done iOS development before. I have an iOS developer account. I can spin up everything you just mentioned, all the 9 million things you have to do. And the thing is, you don't only have to do them, you have to do them correctly. Because that's one of the things, like when you get started with iOS development, it's so difficult to know like all the different intricacies and like the certs and stuff like you have to use the right one. And it's it's really complicated. It's, it's not even just a matter of like getting the steps done. You have to do them right and they all have to be right in chain. Mm-hmm. And when you're an experienced developer, I mean, this is maybe 30 minutes uh, of your time. And it's ridiculous that you have to do it, quite frankly, because Android, you can just get going quickly. And like you said, integration straight into Visual Studio for Mac. So instead of going up to the website, you're literally clicking buttons. So when I open a project, say I don't have a provisioning profile for that project, I can go ahead and provision, I can create a team, I can go ahead and provision a provisioning profile for that particular app identifier. So, you know, the thing that's like Calm, Pierce Bogan, Moments, that sort of thing. and I, as you said, plug in the device. Normally, I have to go get the UDID added to uh, my devices in the iOS developer portal, then update my provisioning profile to reference that device, then download the provisioning profile, make sure I don't have conflicting provisioning profiles loaded up in Keychain. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fastlane manages all that for you. And like you said, literally with just clicking buttons, within a minute, I can go file new never done any iOS stuff, never had anything provisioned to having an app running on my device, which from a productivity standpoint is like ridiculous. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. And that's available today as as far as this recording goes, um, I believe in the alpha channel, beta channel, alpha channel, one of the two. One of the two. One of the two. <laughs> you, you never know, things are changing oh so fast. So um, definitely check that out, which is super awesome. And I think as we're developing applications too, what's really great is that um, there's always small optimizations and tweaks and things that you can do. And David Arno, who's our PM of Xamarin Forms, wrote this great blog post of kind of five or six things. He said five things, but I think he listed seven <laughs> of ways of boosting your app startup time in some things that you may not even think of. Um, I think that, you know, one of the um, big things with Xamarin Forms specifically is you could you know, kind of dump a bunch of images just in the drawables folder or put them into an embedded resource or something like that. But actually putting a bunch of your 
um, images in MDPI, HDPI, and the different density for targeting screens, or even no DPI, essentially will optimize so it has to load the, the, the images that are proper for that device, which I thought was really interesting. In addition, there's a new property called um, crunch, where you can crunch and pre-crunch PNGs to optimize them and reduce the file size, which I thought was crazy awesome. Um, and then there's, there's of course the other ones like XAML compilation and, you know, um, reducing your assemblies, but I did like, you know, you know, try to lazy load things and don't put everything in your app.xaml and, um, you know, only use resources when you need to. And, you know, every time you cut off, you know, um, a few, you know, hundred milliseconds here, a hundred milliseconds there, it really adds up. Um, and you're now all of a sudden you're shaving a second, second and a half off of your application, which I thought was, was pretty awesome. Um, so it's a really nice little blog post of I can kind of hand out to people say, Hey, are you doing this stuff? Right. Right. Yeah. And I think there's certain areas when it comes to performance. I mean, obviously you don't want to over-optimize things, but there's certain areas where if you optimize these areas, you're going to get a massive benefit in terms of perception of the performance and speed and quality of your application. So startup mm -hmm. is obviously one of those, which is what this blog post is about. And then obviously 80% of mobile apps like Twitter, Facebook, every mobile app I can think of is basically showing data in a list. So by using things like cell recycling and the list view, like things like that, by optimizing startup and list views, I think you get most of the way there in terms of like a lot of the work you're going to have to do in terms of performance. Obviously, you're still going to want to profile things. You're still going to want to do that sort of thing. But you can get a long way just by optimizing, smartly optimizing your startup time and your startup process and also optimizing those list views for best performance and best practices. Yeah. So that's a good one. And I think that we have tons of great documentation even to go a little bit further as far as, you know, not only just like you said, startup time, but in-app performance, profiling, and kind of getting into the nitty gritty of the application. Um, but one thing I know that I get asked about all the time is how can I connect to my Azure Active Directory or how do I connect to the Microsoft Graph and our local expert mayor has written a he's written a series of blog posts but he's come out with another blog post on how to use the brand new microsoft authentication libraries alongside the brand new microsoft graph apis which enable you to do things like you know see people's contacts and information and profile information and and connect up like that and what's great here is that it's really simplified. I know the team there is working really hard to put it into a .NET standard package and to um, really optimize it so it works really well out of the box um, with different templates, especially if you're using shared projects. But all you have to do is add a few lines of code to your iOS or Android application and the actual, um, actual library is like nearly completely cross-platform to handle all of the login and authentication which is really cool and, and his blog post is a great walkthrough of of uh signing in and integrating and sending emails actually which is really cool yeah and i think if you're someone who's already familiar with kind of the microsoft identity stack where you have it azure ad is a solution for enterprise you have azure b2c uh, which can do like local authentication with username and password it can do uh, social login it can do all that stuff uh, from a consumer standpoint as if you're coming from the AD background, the enterprise background, you're already familiar with ADAL, so the Active Directory Authentication Library, and you're like a little nervous about this MSAL thing, the library from an API standpoint, they've done an amazing job, as James said, keeping this simple. And it works exactly like you would expect uh, if you're coming from ADAL. So 
much of the pretty i'm not going to say exactly the same apis but pretty much exactly the same apis you can migrate over to msal and you're in you're in good shape and msal is not only going to work for you for azure ad but azure b2c as well now obviously mm-hmm. you're not going to build an application where you have both of these but it's nice to know that you can use one library across all these different identity services you don't have to have like nine million libraries for everything there's one library, the API works the same no matter what service you're using from Microsoft Identity, and it's really simple to use. So yeah, really yeah. excited about that, especially like you said, when combined with the Microsoft Graph, where we get access to email, you know, we get access to tasks, we get access to all that stuff, all that user, uh, I think it's called user metadata, user artifacts, mm-hmm. you get access to that with the Graph API. And that's another example of Whereas before I had to go, I had to grab like, you know, 10 different libraries and pull them all together and uh, stand up and like contort myself in a weird way just to get them <laughs> to all work together. Now it's, you know, you have one library for authentication. If I want to access basically anything that that authenticated user is touching within the Microsoft ecosystem, I have another library in the Microsoft Graph, which I can use. And that's going to give me everything I want. Yeah. And the nice thing here is that it's actually using all of the new modern UI um, elements for authentication. So new um, SF Safari view controllers that are going to be the proper authentication mechanisms and the Chrome custom tabs, um, which is really nice. And I've actually seen Xamarin Auth for, you know, generic OAuth move towards this too. As the platforms are evolving, embedding a web view into your application kind of gets you locked down a little bit more. So these are using the new modern APIs for iOS and Android. So it's a really well-defined modern um, library. So definitely take a look at that. For sure. And then something that you and I are both very, very excited about, we've talked about in the past uh, when David was on the podcast, is Xamarin Forms Embedding. So James, what exactly is Xamarin Forms Embedding and why should I care about it? Yeah, so Xamarin Forms Embedding is probably, um, I wrote an entire article of why it matters, I think. I was a little sassy on it, but I think, you know, it's hard to describe this feature and... um, I think it's easy to describe the feature, but maybe not necessarily obvious as to why people will want to use it. And I think I had to boil it down to this. In the world of Xamarin, what I fell in love with was the ability to build beautiful native user interface across iOS, Android, and Windows, and then share a bulk of my code. Get access to all that .NET goodness, and I'm building iOS storyboards, Android XML, and XAML over on Windows. Now, with Xamarin Forms, it's like I'm an all-in approach here. Everything is in. It's a Xamarin Forms app. It's XAML that's cross-platform. And I'm really either in the Xamarin native world or in the Xamarin Forms world to it, which is good because some applications, a lot of applications, fit the Xamarin Forms workflow really, really well. Um, But what we wanted to do is have the ability to easily combine the worlds, right? So easily go from either Xamarin Forms to Xamarin Native, or in this approach with Forms Embedding, Xamarin Native to start sharing some user interface. So if you think of you're just a Xamarin Native developer, or you're thinking of coming to Xamarin and uh, creating your first project, and you're like, my application needs these beautiful animations, sub two second startup time, I'm using the latest support packages, I'm doing audio stream, I'm doing like all this really rich content. I really want a great native, native, super fast application, uh, but I want to share a bulk of code. That's Xamarin Native, right? Like I said, you're not sharing any user interface, but Xamarin Forms Embedding says, well, we know that some of those pages in this app that you just described 
makes sense to be cross-platform. Think of a setting screen, an about page, a login page, some screens that aren't overly complicated or a details page that aren't you know scrolling through hundreds of images. What if you could write a page that's cross-platform with Xamarin Forms, a content page? Right. And what you could do is then embed that. So with a line or two of code, say, hey, take that new shared page and embed it into my Xamarin native application. And that enables you to share not only your business logic of your Xamarin native application, but even more with some shared user interface to mix and match along. And I think it's a huge win. And um, some people are like, I don't know if that makes any sense or if I'd ever use that. I was like, think about any of those pages that I literally just described that are inside of your application. Yeah, and I think the other thing is if you wanted to, if you had this application and you were like, you kind of caught on to the forms embedding idea and you're like, okay, I have a few screens within my application that I want to be Xamarin Forms compatible. Up until now, what you might have done is you might have literally bootstrapped forms and done your entire app and custom renders only for the benefit of one or two screens. And that was didn't really make a lot of sense. And so I think this is definitely opening up the the boundaries for where Xamarin Forms can be used. It's not just an either or anymore. And in some cases, like Xamarin Forms, obviously you have custom renders, so you had that. But I don't really think that there was ever really a super easy or efficient way to bring Forms into those Xamarin native apps. And I think with Xamarin Forms embedding, I'm this for me, this is the most exciting Xamarin Forms feature I'm trying to think since when. Because it's vastly, it's going to open up Xamarin Forms to basically any app, mobile application I'm building. I can yeah. use Xamarin Forms now. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty super excited about it. So I think definitely give it a look, check it out. Um, I, I couldn't be more excited about it in general. And to kind of go along with this, that's kind of the news, I would say, you know, like the big WWDC news, you know, with iOS 11 coming, but all these kind of like great little things, things that you could be picking up today. So we have some new releases uh, out in stable 5.2.3, which is kind of more of a um, additionally like kind of bug fix maintenance release, I would say. So fifth, there's Visual Studio 2017 15.2. Three, I guess. I don't yeah. know what the official name is. I should, I should get the uh, naming correct on it. But um, we kind of group these together. So not only is a brand new release of Visual Studio 2017 come out, but also new releases of Visual Studio for Mac kind of fall on those lines um, when new features are added in both. Um, so definitely make sure you open up the installer or in Visual Studio for Mac or Visual Studio 2017 and click that update button and you'll be ready to go. But I think the bigger one is kind of a brand new beta of Visual Studio 2017 15.3 preview. We have a new beta that is out that is available today, which has some new stuff in it, especially for Visual Studio for Mac. Do you want to run down this list? Yeah. So um, first things first, uh, Android SDK management, kind of a pain. Not a huge fan of it. Uh, we now have our own SDK manager, uh, so no longer going to the kind of janky looking and working uh, Google one that they shipped as part of Android. Um, so we have our own one that you can get to. You go tools, SDK manager, it'll pop right up. Uh, that's in Visual Studio for Mac and in Visual Studio. We have some new templates for doing IoT, which is pretty cool. So um, now within Visual Studio and within Visual Studio 2017, I can build IoT applications with Mono, which is pretty awesome. So I can essentially do, if you're familiar with the concept of the remote, the, the Mac build host concept from Visual Studio 2017, where I can build iOS applications on my on my PC. Um, it's a similar concept for IoT. So 
whether I'm in Visual Studio 2017 or Visual Studio for Mac, I can file new, choose this IoT template, and I can actually write some C-sharp code. I can connect to any IoT device. I just use like a Raspbian device running Linux and deploy directly to that device and not only deploy, but do remote debug into that as well. So that's pretty amazing. Um, some updates to the Xamarin Live Player as well. I know that there's some some tricky things going around with the IDE extension, trying to make sure that it's super super solid um, since we announced that at Microsoft Build. So I, James, you know a little bit more about the Xamarin Live Player bits, but those have been updated quite a bit since we previewed those at Build. Is that correct? Yeah, we're taking some, you know, we're, we're always trying to get new updates of the app. There's been some new uh, revs on Android. We're about to start some new stuff that I can't talk about yet because I don't know when it's going to come out to get people to get versions of the app a little bit sooner. But what we're finding is we're, we're you know, it's still in preview today. So you're going to find it in the beta and alpha channels and both Visual Studio 2017 and VS for Mac. And what we're doing is we're just kind of finely tuning some of the connection code, finely tuning some of the user interface and getting feedback um, from our amazing developers that have been have been chatting with us so definitely you know keep giving us feedback in the forums um, on it and we're gonna have some new exciting stuff to announce around some new programs to get you earlier bits of the actual application so be on the lookout for that now also some new stuff around docker support which we demoed at um, build 2017 and also azure functions which is also in there which is super cool so adding more and more workloads into um to visual studio for mac which is super cool yeah, for sure. And for me, it's not even just the workloads themselves. Like a lot of these, they're intertwined. And the the benefit of you having them installed and using them isn't necessarily in isolation, but when they're all combined. Like using Docker and .NET Core with a mobile app and using going up and hitting an Azure function and debugging that and hitting that from your application, doing some multi-process debug. So there's some crazy scenarios you can do, but having that deep integration across these workloads is just going to make us so much more productive. So definitely the updates to that support has been exciting. And like James said, keep the feedback rolling. Yep. A few of the little tweaks and optimizations in VS 2017, some new entitlements and new property pages that you'll see rolling out between iOS and Android. And I know in VS for Mac, iOS has a new analysis tool that they're adding more and more stuff. Kind of think of it as a lint tool to kind of inspect your code and see if you're doing some bad stuff before submitting to the app store. So definitely take a, pre uh, a peek at the uh, release notes at releases.xamarin.com and definitely follow that out. But now it's my favorite part of the podcast. Ooh. It is package and or tool of the podcast. What do you got for me, Pierce? Well, I have, I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know if it can be considered a package tool or library, but I'm going to call all it of them all, one. all the above. Um, and it is the new .NET templating engine. Um, mm. So this was actually developed as part of the, the effort with .NET Core. And so if you've ever made templates, which I work with templates a lot as part of my day-to-day -day job, they are kind of a pain. Um, and the reason they're kind of a pain is you have to take an app, say I want to make a template, and I have to take an app, like a blank app, even just something as simple as a blank app, and I have to mark this up with all these mm -hmm. things because we have these things that we want to replace when we're actually creating the template. So when mm -hmm. we're taking these code files and actually making them your own. So we have to replace the namespaces. Sometimes we have to change uh, the target framework based off what you have installed, for example. So there's all these crazy things that we have to change. And so what ends up happening is you have all these files. You started with an app, just a regular old blank app, but you have to mark it up with all these what they call template parameters. You have to mm -hmm. mark it up with all these different things. You can't even open and build the app anymore. So mm -hmm. it's not useful to you. So as you continue to templatize things, you actually can't even open up the original file you started with because you've, you've marked it up so much. It's not valid syntax. 
It won't build, you can't test it, that sort of thing. So .NET templating came along and recognized this problem. And they also recognized that across different environments, there's not a unified templating engine. So if I'm building templates for VS Mac, I'm building templates for VS, I'm building templates for anything, command line even with .NET Core, um, with .NET New, excuse me, um, there's different engines and it's kind of insanity. And so what they did is they took all these, these complaints that developers have had and they made something super easy to use um, that basically makes my life amazing. So this is the selfish pot tool of the podcast. Here we go. Um, <laughs> and so essentially what I can do is I can take an app. So I can take that blank app and I don't have to touch it at all. It I can open that that SLN. I can open that CS project. It's exactly as it was when I created it. There's nothing different mm-hmm. with it. And all I do is I go and I add a folder called .template.config. I add a JSON file to that folder. And I essentially define all these different things I want to I want to change. So I can say, hey, um, well, when I enter the bundle identifier for my application, update that in the template. The info.plist should be updated with that. Um, mm. So you can do, it'll update the namespaces automatically. You can do a whole bunch of cool stuff. You can even do like conditional. So I can say, oh, well, we want this template to be configurable with a shared project and with a PCL. So that's hmm. one of those things that's super difficult to do without something like this, because you basically are in reality going to end up rolling two templates. And so you're managing yeah. two things, even though the content is exactly the same. So <laughs> this engine is extremely robust. It runs across all platforms, Mac, PC, Linux, and I can still at the end of the day, open up my application, edit it. And all I have to do is essentially package it up as a NuGet, run one command and I can install and ship templates across all these different platforms. So That's I've been great. super excited yeah. about this. This is all open source too. That's cool. I'm going to actually, I'm about to update my plugin template because from 2015 to 2017, uh, things changed and it was a lot of work to go through. And I actually want to add, I want to remove some platforms, add.NET standard support, do a bunch of other stuff to the templates and the people have been asking me for it. So I think that's what I'm going to be doing. It looks like not maybe not this weekend because birthday weekend, but next weekend maybe I will do it and check it out. And it's much faster too. That's something that I that I forgot to mention. I think um, the unfold process or the process from when I you know select a template in Visual Studio, for example, and click OK to the time that I'm actually editing that. Um, I'm seeing locally about 3x to 4x perf increase in that time. Nice. So that's pretty amazing as well. So yeah, if you're creating templates of any kind, even just for internal use, I would recommend taking a look at this. Boom. I'm going to do that. And uh, my pick of the week uh, has to be, um, actually, it's not actually this live. It is a little bit of the library, but Lodi, Lottie, however you want to say it, it's this amazing open source animation engine for iOS and Android. And um, a lot of people and a lot of our MVPs and people in the open source have brought this is by Airbnb. And what it does is it takes after effect animations and makes them super crazy fast and native for iOS and Android. And they created a Xamarin binding, but also a Xamarin forms custom control. Now, with this, though, with Lodi, it's beautiful animations that are super simple. They're like JSON based or whatever. But the problem is that you'd have to go learn After Effects and you have to go like figure that out and you have to pay for it and all this stuff. But somebody in the community, uh, two people, it's an open source project. It's called Lodi or LodiFiles.com. And it is essentially this huge repository where anyone can upload and submit Lodi files 
And there's also an app where you can preview them by scanning a QR code and downloading those files. And there's a bunch of really awesome ones, including some Xamarin ones when you type in Xamarin in there. But if you're looking for like little favorite animations or little filter buttons that do these like really cool little animations, or you wanna take a look at the files, I mean, there's so many on here that you can just grab um, and they're linked to the original contributor, but you can put them right into your application because I believe they're all under Creative Commons. Um, so it's pretty awesome just because I'm not a designer master, but you can literally just go on like, oh, I like this like button and I'm just gonna go ahead and download it. Boom, hit download and you can preview it like right away. It's super cool. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And one of the cool things about Lottie is I'm t I'm honestly like ter anything relating to graphics, animations, things like that, you cannot count me in yeah. for doing a good job with that. And this, I mean, like you said, you have like an animation, you export it to this JSON file, and it's super easy as a developer to integrate that into our application. Whereas maybe a designer beforehand is sending you this crazy complex animation. You're like, really? <laughs> You've just added a, a week's worth of work just for this one animation. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, Lottie's amazing. And like you said, the discoverability of Lottie files is gonna make it even easier for us to start integrating some of these animations into our apps. Yeah. Well, cool. There you have it. That's the, the Xamarin podcast coming at you yet again, back to our normally scheduled programming. Uh, Pierce, where can they find you at on the internet? I'm on Twitter at Pierce Bogan, P-I-E-R-C-E, -E, Bogan with two G's. Um, I'm also on GitHub, so you can follow me at github.com uh, forward slash Pierce Bogan. And I mentioned .NET templating. I have a nice little tutorial up on my uh, up on my GitHub for using that. So that's a, that's a good repo to check out. And I also got a little... Got a little bonus action here on the podcast. Uh, I built Moments two years ago, which is a Snapchat clone with Xamarin Forums. We've got the annual Microsoft Hackathon coming up. Excited to say that I'll be updating Moments. Amazing. Ooh. To use latest Xamarin Forms, all the crazy new Microsoft services that I love, like Document DB, Azure Functions. Um, so pretty excited about that. That's, that's something to keep an eye out on my GitHub as well for. That's awesome. That's awesome. You can find me everywhere on the internet at James Montemagno. That's on Twitter. That's on GitHub. You can find me on Mott's Codes is my blog. And additionally, you can find me each and every week podcasting all sorts of goodness over on Merge Conflict, which is mergeconflict.fm, where I hope you not only subscribe to that show, but also to this show, xamarinpodcast.com. Leave us reviews, like us on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, wherever you enjoy the Xamarin Podcast. Let us know what topics you want to hear by leaving comments at xamarinpodcast.com. Till next time, Pierce, it has been amazing. I miss you. I can't wait to come see you in Boston soon. <laughs>